Welcome to Defenders, the teaching class of Dr. William Lane Craig. Today, the Doctrine of Creation, Part 22. For more resources from Dr. Craig, go to reasonablefaith.org. Last time we completed our discussion about the nature of angels, and I think our discussion last time highlights an important hermeneutical point. Namely, it reminds us that in interpreting various biblical passages, context is all important. It's not enough just to read your favorite interpretation into a passage. You need to look at the context for clues as to how to interpret that. So, for example, in the passage about Michael disputing with Satan, I think there are quite a number of clues there that indicate that what we have here are uh, a different hierarchy of ranks. Uh, Jude and Second Peter are rebuking people who despise authority and who are not afraid to revile the glorious ones in contrast to the angel Michael, who did not presume, again, notice that word, to give a reviling judgment to Satan. So look to the context as you try to interpret a passage. That will be the, the key. Now let's talk a little bit about the work of angels. First of all, angels seem to guide the destiny of nations. In the book of Daniel, it appears that there are angels which are peculiarly linked to various nations and influence those nations. Daniel chapter 10, verses 13 to 20. Daniel chapter 10, verses 13 to 20. Daniel says, When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face... Uh, pardon me, let me back up. I, I need to back up here to verse 13. Um, and uh, this is um, the angel speaking to Daniel. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So I left him there with the prince of the kingdom of Persia and came to make you understand what is to befall your people in the latter days? Uh, for the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was dumb. And behold, one in the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O oh my Lord, by reason of the vision uh, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? For now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I am through with him, lo, the prince of Greece will come. So here you have angelic beings mentioned in connection with three nations. Uh, you have the prince of Persia, you have the prince of, uh, or, or the angel associated with Israel, and then you have this prince of Greece who is doing battle with 
the angel. So it would seem that in these unseen realms, these angels or angelic beings have connections with the various nations and actually do battle with each other. Secondly, the angels minister to the people of God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14, which we've read before. The author asks, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to serve for the sake of those who are to obtain salvation? And that's us, that's the church. And so angels are ministering spirits which are meant to serve the people of God. 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 5 to 7 gives an illustration. 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 5 to 7. And this is Elijah's um, fleeing. It says um, in verse 5, And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, else the journey will be too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. Here the angel ministers to Elijah in the very practical way of providing him with food and drink. The same thing happened in the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 11. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 11. And this incident comes upon the end of the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness, where he's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then in verse 11 of chapter 4, it says, the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. And the word ministered there is typically used to serve uh, drink and, and food. It, it is what a servant does at table. So in the same way that Elijah was ministered to by the angel, so Jesus, having fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and been tempted of the devil, is ministered to by angels. And then in Luke chapter 22, verse 43, we have the story of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane in which an angel ministers to him. Now this may not be in your text, it may be in the footnotes to your text, because this appears in certain ancient manuscript traditions which are very likely authentic and actually should be part of the Gospel of Luke. It says in um, Luke chapter uh, 22 and verse 43, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down upon the ground. And there you have again the angel ministering to Jesus in the time of his greatest need in the garden as he was facing the cross. Psalms chapter 91, verses 10 and 12. 
uh, gives a general promise. Psalms 91, verses 10 and 12. Uh, reading with verse 9, Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your habitation, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent, for he will give his angels charge of you to guard you in all your ways. So here the angels are um, protecting the people of God, uh, perhaps from spiritual warfare, from these uh, demonic uh, beings that would seek to do us harm. Thirdly, the angels execute God's justice. We see an illustration of this in 2 Kings chapter 19 and verse 35. 2 Kings chapter 19 and verse 35. And that night the angel of the Lord went forth and slew 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the men arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Here God meets out his destruction upon these enemies of Israel, not immediately, but through the process of this destroying angel. In the New Testament, you have an example in Acts chapter 12, 23. Acts chapter 12 and verse 23. This is the death of Herod. Uh, Acts chapter 12, um, beginning with verse 21, And on an appointed day Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and made an oration to them. And the people shouted, The voice of a god and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord smote him, because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and died. So that would be another example of God's uh, justice being meted out upon uh, the enemies of God's people. Second Revelations, uh, pardon me, Second Thessalonians, Second um, Thessalonians chapter one and verses seven and eight speak of the final judgment, which will be uh, involving angels. Second Thessalonians one, verses seven and eight, he. Paul is speaking here of the righteous judgment of God. Um, and he says, God will grant rest with us to you who are afflicted when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance upon those who do not know God and upon those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So here the angels will be involved in the second coming of Christ and his meeting out of uh, judgment upon those who do not believe the gospel and reject God. And finally, Revelation chapter 16 and verse 1. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 1. And I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. And then it describes how the first angel, the second angel, the third angel, each went out and poured out these bowls of God's wrath, which are symbolic of God's judgment upon the earth, so that the angels are um, the instruments of God's justice and judgment upon 
uh, unbelief. And I've already alluded to the fourth point, but we'll separate it here, and that is that angels will gather and accompany Christians at the second coming of Christ. The angels will gather living Christians and also accompany uh, those Christians who are deceased and in the Lord at the time of Christ's return. Look, for example, at Matthew chapter 24, um, verses 29 to 31. Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 to 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So here the angels at the return of Christ go out and gather the living Christians at the time of Christ's return um, into uh, the, the, the new kingdom. Turn over to Matthew 25 and verse 31. Matthew 25 and verse 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And so that again describes the angels who will accompany Christ at the time of his return. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 14 to 17, is Paul's uh, disquisition on this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 14 to 17. Paul says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. So notice here, it's not simply that the angels gather the elect who are living at the time of Christ, but he says, those who have already died in Christ, who have fallen asleep, they will precede us in being gathered uh, into the kingdom with Christ. The Lord will come with the archangel's call uh, and with the, the, the dead in Christ, and then those who are alive shall be uh, transformed and ushered into the kingdom. Similarly, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, just to read this verse again, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8, he says um, that God will grant rest with us to you who are afflicted when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, 
inflicting vengeance upon those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So that's just indication again of the involvement of angels at the time of the second coming of Christ, and in this case, meeting out God's justice upon unbelief. Well, that is some of the work of angels. We're out of time now, but what we'll do next time is look more closely at two angels mentioned by name in both the Old and the New Testaments, namely Gabriel and Michael, and then we'll begin to look at this figure of Satan and try to understand him and the demons in relation to these angelic beings. So that's next week. The copyright for the content of this recording is held by Dr. William Lane Craig. For more, go to reasonablefaith.org.